0: Ah, what a wonderful day it is to be here with all the saints, right? Worshiping God in spirit and truth. Amen? Amen. Man, what a great day. It's a great day because it's been a great week. All these baptisms, and we got John back from Ghana. John, how many baptisms were in Ghana this year? 103 people were baptized on his missionary trip with him and all the, the faithful brethren that were there. Uh, preaching the gospel and, and taking the message out and planting the seed, right? What an amazing day. 103, we had seven here, that's 110, and we actually had two what, the week before. We had uh, Bella and Preston, and so just here at Lincoln Park, we've had nine just in the last couple, two, three weeks, and so what? what how amazing is that? And then we have Eva, our new member of the 66 Club, right? <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Eva. And she was so she was so excited and so proud when she read all those books and, and just spit them all off. I said, I think I would probably mess up the Minor Prophets right now. It's been a while. I was a little jealous. I mean, I got to go back and refresh on the Minor Prophets. But you know, I'm so happy for the congregation. So happy for the Lord's Church. And so this morning, uh, we're going to continue on in the series <clears throat> that I've been doing really kind of focusing towards our, our, our youth, right? Focusing on our teens. But as I say, each and every week, this is applicable, applicable to everybody. And so I really have a question for you this morning. What are you known for? What are you known for? Because if you look on the screen behind me, what does it say? Is your reputation based on faithfulness? We're going to look at that question here this morning because if, we're, if I were to go to your closest friends and I were to go to your closest family members and I were to ask them what you're known best for, what, what would the response be? And I ask that question because where would your faith, where would God, where would Jesus, right, where would, where would they come in that list? If I were to talk to your friends, your closest friends, your closest family, you know, the people who know you best at work. Is your faith is your faith what defines you, or is it something else? And that's a question we all have to uh, ask ourselves, right? Because if we're really truly uh, putting Jesus first in our lives, well, then we're going to look at an individual where we could see that the the, the people who disliked him the most. The people who were most jealous of him, they could find no accusation against this man. And so they had to attack something that he knew that he would never compromise on. And that was his faith. And so we're going to look at Daniel here this morning. And today, while we, while we think about what we're known for, I want us to consider Daniel of the Old Testament. I want us to consider Daniel chapter 6. There's only going to be a couple passages of Scripture in today's lesson. But where we're going to be is in Daniel chapter 6, if you wanted to kind of look at that while I'm preaching. Daniel chapter 6 is where the story of uh, of where Darius and Daniel, and all of a sudden those who were uh, conspiring against Daniel, they come and they basically enter into a, a, a decree, right? They have the king enter a decree that nobody's allowed for 30 days to worship anybody to, uh, but, but Darius. Nobody's allowed to pray to anybody else but Darius. And we find the story of the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. And so we're going to look at that here today, not in great detail, but I want us to kind of think of our reputation, I want us to think about our reputation uh, in comparison to what we're going to see about Daniel here today. And Daniel, he, is su- he has such a strong reputation. He has a reputation and a faithfulness that stood up against the trials of life, even in the face of death. His reputation, his faithfulness, stood up to the trials, even in the face of death. And yours can too. Mine can too. But the question we often have to ask ourselves is, will it? Will our faith stand up even in the trials that can bring about our own death? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves because you go back and you read in the first century about many of these faithful men and women in the scriptures and what do we see? We see that their reputation, their faithfulness unto God stood up against all of the trials, the tests that were going to come their way. And they continued to go no matter wherever they went and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter even after the death of Stephen. uh, And they were scattered throughout all the land. Some of them going as far as, you know, hundreds of miles away. And they didn't just, you know, cower up in a hole and just hide themselves away. No, they continued to do the things that God had called them to do. And so, brethren, your reputation, your faithfulness can stand the test of trials as well. The only question you have to ask yourselves is, will it? Are you willing to make sure that you are so faithful, so true unto a holy and righteous God, that you're willing to suffer the ultimate sacrifice? You know, right now, as we think about Daniel... We know that Daniel was, well, he was kind of a politician in a sense, wasn't he? I mean, many of, uh, of what he had done in the various, for the various kings. And so I'm sure that you've all started to notice that, you know, our 2024 presidential election, it's, it's still a minute away, right? I mean, it's still like 15 months away. But what are you seeing on television already? Are you guys seeing the attack ads already that are appearing on television you see, all the ads are appearing, and we're starting to already see the slandering and the, and the half-truths and the deceptions. Brethren, to be in politics is a cutthroat business. And if you read Daniel chapter 6 later, you'll see that it's nothing new to just us here in America. That <laughs> politics has always been a cutthroat business. Business yeah. and so much so that Daniel's uh, uh, enemies or nemesis, whatever you would like to call it, they were, you know, Darius was going to make him basically uh, in charge of all of the kingdom, he was going to put all of the kingdom under his charge because he was so impressed with Daniel. But these other satraps and these other chiefs, you know, they were upset with that. Because they wanted that glory. They wanted that power for themselves. And so they were trying to find a way to bring down their nemesis, right? To bring down uh, Daniel, and no matter what they could do. And as you think about politicians, whether it's all the way back in Daniel's time, or you think about politicians here in 2024, an honest politician who's going to stand up for what is right, even in the face of great opposition, would be a rare individual indeed. You see, because once the opposition really starts to come, and then they, and they find themselves standing alone, how many of them decide to just well give in? You see, brother, and politicians are the same all over. They're all promising to build a, a bridge where there is no river. And so you think about politicians. One recent politician, he, had, he actually uttered the words, he was willing to do whatever it took to be elected. Dare I say that probably many of these politicians would do whatever it takes to be elected. Brothers and sisters, any man or any woman who's willing to do whatever it takes to be elected isn't somebody that I want in office. Because that means they have no convictions. That means that they're willing to just do whatever it takes. They're willing to uh, go against their beliefs, their long-held convictions, in order to, to attain power, to attain an office. I pray that there will be more people like Daniel in Washington, D.C. sometime in the future. Because we need more people like Daniel who are faithful and true unto God no matter the trial, no matter the circumstances that are going to come their way because of their beliefs. Brethren, today we will look at a man who served political office for, well, many years. And some of his record, as we find it in the book of Daniel, as we look at today in chapter 6, we're going to see that Daniel chapter 6 is one of the more, more most popular uh, stories of all the Bible. I mean, who, who here, whether young or old, doesn't know the story of Daniel and the lion's Then, right? Our Bible school teachers have been talking about that story for, well, forever, And so, brothers and sisters, all of this happened in Babylon. Babylon, when Darius the Mede was the king. And first we're going to notice in Daniel chapter 6, in these first three verses, we learn that Darius took office, uh, and he notices right away Daniel's ability And he was over uh, part of the satraps. And he was about to appoint him to a higher position as we see in those first three uh, verses. He was about to appoint him to to be basically in charge and have rule over all of his kingdom. Only second to the king himself. And then we see in verse 4 and 5 that we see that everyone... Uh, was happy, or, or not everyone was happy about Darius' decision. You get the verses 6 through 9, and we see that the devious nature of Daniel's enemies and how they start to conspire against him. And then you go beyond that, and we see the highlight of the story. And the highlight of the story isn't that Daniel was rescued from the uh, lions. That's more of like a fringe benefit, if you will. The highlight, the high point of this episode is how Daniel, he proves faithful unto God, even in the face of this law that stood opposed to Daniel's faith. That stood opposed to Daniel's uh, practicing of his faith. You see, brethren, that's the highlight of the story. Most people want to focus on how he was saved by the lions. But I would have you to focus on how his faith, how his faith proves uh, tr- uh, proves true unto a holy and righteous God, yeah. brothers and sisters. We may find ourselves in this country in the 21st century. We may find ourselves facing laws that are against God's word, either today or sometime in the future. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there's a shift in this country when it comes to Christianity. There's a shift in this country when it comes to are we allowing God to be uh, the, the, the ruler over our lives, right? Are we allowing God to sit on the throne of our lives? Are we allowing God and his moral standard to be what sets the rule for this country? It used to be that way, but it's not the case anymore. Brethren, we have many laws that are going into the books or many rules that are being applied that are, that are looking to, uh, to, to bring Christians down. To to move away from God's moral standards, to move away from things that are absolute truth that God calls absolute truth. What about laws or district rules that are now telling our public school teachers and the the staff that they are no longer to pray or to even open their Bibles in in their classrooms? What about the laws that protect the rights of uh, the protect the right to kill an unborn child in abortion? What about the laws uh, that endorse homosexuality and move to ban a Christian's right to even speak out against it? You see, if I was to get caught uh, teaching somebody what the Scriptures teach, and, the, and some people will cause it, call it conversion therapy, which really all you're teaching them is the scriptures to let them know that there's a better way and let them know that what the lifestyle that they want to enter into is sin and causes a separation between them and the Holy God. If I was to basically teach them and get them to basically uh, you know, change their thought processes, transform their mind and their life and their actions, I could be in trouble for that very thing. The congregation can be in trouble for that very thing. You see, so brethren, there are starting to be rules and laws that are going to ban Christians, a Christian's right to speak out against these things. You're seeing it in Canada, and you're seeing it in some places in America now, where ministers are starting to be held, uh, or held responsible. Some of them are starting to enter into jail because of the things that they're teaching on these things. Our country's laws have always been plagued with, or with immorality, if you will. What about the laws that made it possible uh, to to enslave blacks? What about the laws that created uh, the Trail of Tears? Maybe you don't even know what the Trail of Tears is, but that was back in the early 1800s when the Southeastern Native Americans uh, were removed from their lands. And they were then all, they they were removed from their, forcibly removed from their lands and then uh, relocated. And they called it the Trail of Tears. You see, brethren... There has always been throughout human history going all the way to the, to the, to the beginning of time... There has always been immoral humans who make immoral laws, yeah. because they're not concerned with what thus saith the Lord. They're not concerned with what God has to say on the various topics. There is only one perfect set of laws in this world, and there is only they were given by one perfect lawgiver and they're contained in one perfect book. and we call that book the only Bible. Yeah. You see, brethren, anything that is outside of that, is man-made rule. And we know that the Bible tells us that it's not within a man who walks to direct his own steps. There's a way that seems right unto man, and in the end it leads to what? It leads to death. It's not talking about physical death, it's talking about spiritual death. For human lawgivers are all imperfect. Why? Because we live in a fallen world, and imperfect humans are going to create imperfect laws. And so you see, brethren, in government and society, there will always be people like those who conspired against Daniel. Just turn on the national news. I don't care what station you prefer, you'll hear about it and you'll see it. There are always going to be political uh, individuals uh, who are going to conspire against those who strive to do things according to God's ways. There will always be political leaders like Darius who will be blinded blinded to the evil intent of those uh, those conspirators. And they're blinded because of their own greed. They're blinded because of their own pride. They're blinded because of their own uh, search for power. You see, brethren, the prideful politicians who think they know what's best, oftentimes we're going to lead us down a road to immoral legislation, immoral laws, and then they're going to have to enforce those laws. But it's by the grace of God, It is by the grace of God that there will be people like Daniel in every generation who are willing, who are going to be willing to take a stand, who are going to be willing to stand up against the things of the world and against fleshly desires, against the immoral laws of imperfect humans and stand up for God and his moral law. And do you know what those people are called today? They're called Christians. Yeah. You see, brethren, we are the ones who are to take a stand. We are the ones who must stand up and transform what is going on in our communities, what's going on in our school districts, what's going on in our country. If we don't stand for God, who's going to stand for God? Yeah. If we don't stand for his, uh, his, uh, his law and his moral absolutes, then nobody will. We can't expect a bunch of people in Washington who don't know the laws of God, who don't know the Scriptures, who don't even know what the Scriptures teach. We can't expect them to put laws in place that are going to align with what? With God's Word. And so that's why, brethren, each and every election is so very important. That we try to find people like a Daniel to put into office. And I'm here to tell you, brethren that it's getting tougher and tougher to find people like Daniel to put into office. You know why? Because fewer and fewer people uh, are are making God the Lord of their lives. This country is going further and further away from God with each and every day, each and every week, each and every month. And so brethren, it's up to us to to make sure that we're getting out, we're teaching people the law of Christ. We're teaching people uh, the, the way of God. We're teaching people all that they need to do in order to do what? to transform this country, to get this country to repent, to get them to not only repent, but to turn back unto a holy and righteous God before it's everlasting too late. Brothers and sisters, we need to understand that these men uh, that knew Daniel, these men that that were going to conspire against Daniel, who were going to attack Daniel, they knew that they could find nothing uh, nothing to make an accusation against him. They could find nothing to accuse him of. They could find nothing to attack him on. And so what did they do? These men knew that Daniel was a faithful man of God who always put his faith above, above everything else. And they knew that he had such a wonderful reputation. And his reputation was based on his, his belief, on his trust and his obedience in God. And so the only thing they could attack him on was his, his faith. And you think about this, brethren, Daniel was certainly not a closet Christian, so to speak. He wasn't a closet Christian, so to speak. He didn't hide his faith at all, but at the same time, he also didn't flaunt his faith. He was just faithful. He wasn't trying to get people to see how faithful he was. Daniel didn't need to try to make others think that he was more faithful than he was. He was just faithful. And so when you are faithful to God, you don't need to have a tag or wear a badge that says so. You don't need to make a t-shirt that lets people know how faithful you are. Because they'll notice how faithful and true you are to God and his moral standards when they hear you speak. When they see your life. When they evaluate your actions. When they look at your attitude and your actions and your words, your deeds, brethren. They're going to know the truth that is in your hearts. They're going to know, brethren, that you are true unto God. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he speaks of the private life of each and every uh, individual who is faithful unto him. Faithful in prayer, faithful in deeds, and faithful in, uh, in, in fasting. Jesus speaks about these things on the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus also taught us to do these things before God and to make sure that they are seen by God and not by men. He says, so when you pray, do it in private. When you fast, do it in private. Don't anoint your head and say, woe is me. And just look how, look how horrible I look in order to see, for people to look at you and say, wow, look how, look how religious this one is. He says, no, you do those things in secret. But then Jesus also told us that we are to be the light of the world. And we are to shine our light so bright so that mankind can see our good works and not glorify us, but glorify the Father. So you see, brethren, there's a difference between those who try to look religious and those who are genuinely religious. There is a vast difference. Daniel was really and truly a a faithful man of God. And brethren, a a great religious show can fool a lot of people. There are a lot of people who uh, show up on Sunday all across America and they sit in pews and they get themselves dressed up with their Sunday best. And then Monday through Saturday, they appear as somebody completely different to their coworkers and friends. You see, brethren, are you a Sunday only Christian or are you a Monday through Sunday Christian? Because there are too many people who are called hypocrites by those of the world you know there's a reason why people call Christians hypocrites? Because often the, the, oftentimes the, what they see in you, what they see in your mindset, in your attitude, and in your actions, and in your deeds, isn't Christ-like. It's worldly-like. And they oftentimes call Christians hypocrites. There's a reason why they coined that term. And so brothers and sisters, Daniel was really and truly a faithful man of God. And if he was really and truly a faithful man of God, he was willing to go against the king's decree. He was willing to go against Darius's decree because his faith wasn't in Darius. His faith was in a holy and righteous God. That if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. But if God desires to save me, then he'll save me. You know, after Daniel's enemies succeeded in conspiring against him, and the king, he was, the king was forced... To execute punishment because his, his decree could not be changed once it was submitted. Daniel was at the mercy of the lions. Unless, unless God shows up and cares for his servant Daniel. Do you ever feel like there's just some things that, that God calls us to do but maybe it's just too dangerous? Maybe, you know, for those Christians that live in the Middle East or live in some of these foreign countries to where there truly is Christian persecution, where being a Christian could cost you your life, cost you your home, cost you your possessions, and, and bring trials and tribulation to you. You see, brethren, do you ever feel like there's things that you can't do that God wants you to do because it might be too much risk involved? So what happens when you become Courageous. What happens when you decide to step out in faith? Do, does God owe you a rescue because he rescued Daniel? Does God owe you a rescue because he rescued, well, maybe Gideon? Right? If God is responsible to make sure that you look victorious and turn the tables on your enemies, if you ask yourself that question, the answer to that question is no. Brethren, God doesn't owe us anything. But I can tell you with confidence that whether here on earth or on the other side, God will vindicate you. In my first passage of scripture here this morning, notice what the uh, the scriptures tell us in uh, Psalms chapter 118. Jim, the clicker's not working. If you can hit that for me. Psalm chapter 118. Notice what it says on the screen behind me. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. You see... Daniel, he put his trust in God. He took refuge in the Lord. He wasn't concerned what his, uh, what his practicing of his faith was going to cause him. Why? Because his total trust and faith was in God. He knew that even if you kill me today, I will be with God in heaven. I will be be with God in paradise. And we know that we have to be faithful and true unto all that God requires of us. Because this next passage of Scripture in 2 Thessalonians, we're going to see when Jesus returns with his angels in flaming fire, that there's going to be two groups of individuals in whom he's going to take vengeance on. In 2 Thessalonians, in chapter 1, starting in verse 6, it tells us, For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who have afflicted you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, God's justice system is perfect. God will reward the righteous and he will punish the wicked. You can take that to the bank. But it might not be here in this life. It might be in the next life. You guys have often heard me say how we're immortal beings, right? And that's all that somebody could do here on earth. All that Darius could do was kill the body. But he cannot kill the soul. But yet we are to fear the one who can cast both body and soul into hell. And so Daniel didn't care about Darius' decree. He was going to remain faithful unto God and make sure that he was obedient uh, unto God. And so, brothers and sisters, this is taught in every aspect of Scripture. Every aspect of Scripture that deals with the judgment, we learn that God is going to reward the righteous and He's going to punish the wicked. You can trust your life, you can trust your soul in the hands of a holy and righteous God. For His promises are true. So brothers and sisters, as I get ready to close this lesson down, the idea that we are looking at here today and what we're looking to learn here today is, are you well spoken of? And if you are well spoken of, is it for the right reasons? What are you well spoken of? If I asked your friends or family to really, to describe you to me and in your, ad, in your best attributes to me, Would it align with God's Word? Would it align with the Holy Scriptures? You see, brethren, that's why companies often ask for references, is it not? They want to see and they want to hear what other people have to say about you. In Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul, he was introduced to somebody named Timothy by the brethren in Lystra. And the text says that Timothy was well spoken of by his Christian brethren in Lystra and Iconium. You see, brethren, he had a strong reputation... And the Apostle Paul wanted to then use him in his missionary work. He wanted to use him in his missionary journeys. And so we know that the Apostle Paul forms this tight-knit relationship with Timothy, so much so that he calls him his son in the faith. You see, brethren, in Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16 should, uh, should encourage us to live our lives in such a way that the others in the church and in the community will speak well of us, just like they did in Lystra and Iconium in regards to Timothy. And the scriptures encourage us to not only uh, to, to the scriptures also encourage us to speak well of our brethren. You see, brethren, there are there are those who are call themselves Christians, but they live well. They have negative lifestyles. They have a negative mindset. Have you ever been around a Christian who's negative all the time? I'm here to tell you I have. And, and I just don't understand it. They don't understand the, all the blessings they have in Christ. You know, Ross uttered the words this morning, we oftentimes trip over our blessings, there are so many. And yet, there are Christians who call themselves Christians, and yet they are negative around every turn. And they speak negatively about the church. They speak negatively about brothers and sisters in Christ. We got to be very careful, because how can we be uh, how can we be true unto God when we speak negatively of the church and those who make up the church? You see, brethren, the Scriptures encourage us to speak well of one another. And I'm sure that Timothy wasn't perfect. I'm sure he had his flaws, just like you and me. But instead of picking out all the negatives about a person, why don't we try to pick out the positives? In somebody's life. Why don't we try to encourage them and to lift them up versus trying to bring somebody down. And maybe just maybe the world will look at the church and say, I want what those folks have. I'm not sure exactly what it is yet, but I know I want what they have because every time they speak of their brethren, every time they speak of the church, they do so with love and respect and with just a genuine, genuine heartfelt emotion. You see, brethren, we need to lift each other up and not tear each other down. And when we do that, we're going to shine the light of Christ. When we shine the light of Christ and we offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God, what, are we, what is the world going to see? They're going to see the love of Christ that's in our hearts. They're going to see how we are to be loving and kind and forgiving, how we are to be compassionate. And brethren, if they see that in you, they're going to want to be a part of whatever you're a part of. They're going to want to know more about what you know. And so it's really up to us here today to determine what our our reputation will be. You see, brothers and sisters, we are to have that spirit of love in our hearts that Christ had for his creation. Knowing all that Christ has done for us, we are to make sure that we are forgiving, loving, and kind, and compassionate, and merciful. We are to give grace And not we are to give grace, and not to to bring a curse upon somebody by speaking negatively about them, uh, and bringing a bad image of them in somebody else's mind. And so, brethren, shine the light of Christ by being faithful like Daniel, and allow your faithfulness to help you to stand up in the face of these trials that each of us are going to face. And then you too will be pleasing in God's sight. Now, if you're here today, brethren, and you're hearing this message on reputation. I want you to go home today and I want you to consider what is your reputation? What are you known for? As a child of God, are you known to be a child of God? Are you known to be faithful, righteous, and true? Or would your friends or family never even mention your faith when they think about some of your best attributes, when they think about what you're known for? What would they say? If you're here today and you're not a child of God, but you wish to become a child of God, Brethren, you can do that today. You can be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God himself will add you to the church. If that is you today, come forward as Patrick sings the song of invitation.